welcome everyone to another episode of Mitch and Brad's Movie Show, where we take sort of an anti-critic approach. They like to use a lot of big words and criticize some good movies, and we kind of take the opposite approach, where we just talk about our love of cinema, sometimes dislike, but everything from newest releases to the oldies. So with me is our other co-host, Brad. Say hi, Brad. Hola. So today we got another great episode on tap, so... We're centering things on Death on the Nile, which was an intriguing murder mystery. And we'll get to our full spoiler review of that towards the end of the episode here. But if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to do all the YouTube things, the likes, the subscribes, the comments. We certainly appreciate it. And if you're listening on audio, thank you for tuning in with us as well there on those platforms. So with that out of the way, let's get to our opening question, which we're doing an episode centered on Death Death on the Nile here. So... We decided to ask, who do you think is the best movie detective of all time? So I got my answer. And, you know, this was one that you really had to think about because no surprise, there are a lot of movie detectives out there, a lot to pick from. So, Brad, where, where did you kind of go with your answer? Who did you pick and why? So I actually, yeah, I had to do a Google search to look at like top detective movies. I did, you know, I did, I did a little bit of research just to kind of go through. And then at the end of the day, I came up with Sherlock Holmes because Sherlock Holmes really is even the Guy Ritchie movies, the earlier movies, even the TV show or whatever, if you follow that with Benedict Cumberbatch. But, uh, I mean, the guy's just... He deduces everything. Oh, I used a big word. Sorry, we're the anti-critic show. But like he, <laughs> no, but like he, you know, he like the way he breaks down everything within the crime scene to get to the the killer or whatever. I think that's that's kind of and it ties in perfectly with Hercule Poirot or whatever from the movie we'll be covering later because that's what they do, man. They just they take in every every little thing around them to solve a crime. No, I I agree. Sherlock Holmes is, of course, a good answer. And when you say that, most people will probably think of the more recent Robert Downey Jr. iterations, you know, the Sherlock Holmes, the two movies that we got from him starring as that title character. So I'd agree with you. You know, Sherlock Holmes, look, it's almost like there's probably one right answer. And then who's a close second in terms of this question? Who's the best movie detective of all time? I mean, of course, it's probably Sherlock Holmes. It's just, you know, it's fun to just play around and see, you know, maybe people have some different opinions. Maybe they think someone can overtake him. So I agree that's a good answer. And that's probably going to be a lot of people's top ones and probably the right answer. But, you know, for the sake of the argument here, I went with somebody different, somebody who I think is a great detective and who gets to the answer through a lot of hard-fought battles that she really earns. And that is Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. And I say Silence of the Lambs and not Hannibal because same character portrayed by a different person, Julianne Moore and, you know, Jodie Foster. It's just, you know, I like the Silence of the Lambs version a lot better. So Clarice Starling, you know, like I said, I think she just earns everything she comes to in terms of conclusions and cracking cases. And you just feel for her, her human side, too. So I think, you know, just all around in my eyes, I think she's the best movie detective of all time. Yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, it takes place in Baltimore too. Um, it's uh, Silence of the Lambs is is 
it was it's like one of the first horror movies or thriller type movies to win best picture or something and and, and it it's kind of sweeped the top awards i think with she she won best actress obviously so definitely a good pick definitely was she a, that's the thing was she a detective i guess if you're an fbi agent you are a detective by default I think when you take into account everything she was doing in the movie, she was cracking a case, she was investigating, she was tracking a killer. That, to me, is what a detective does. If you want to get technical, yes, in the movie, she's an FBI trainee, so she's not really a fully licensed agent yet. And are FBI agents detectives? I don't know, but I count it as a detective. So I like my answer, and I certainly love that movie as well. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean... That's good. You know, I still enjoyed Hannibal, the sequel. And, and, and yeah, she didn't. Uh, Jul- Julianne Moore took over the role. Still enjoy it. Never read the books. I don't know if you ever read the Thomas Harris books. Uh, I, I Like, I, did you ever see the original Manhunter or any of those before Clarice? You know, I really should go back and watch that because I heard Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter was good. You know, a movie from the late 80s. So maybe one day I'll go back and I'll track that down somewhere and I'll watch it. I haven't seen it yet, but, you know, to me, again, it's just so hard to clear that bar because I saw Silence of the Lambs first when I finally watched it only, I don't know, about five, six years ago for the first time. And it's going to be hard to go back and watch these other Hannibal-related sequels, prequels, whatever they are, when you have such a high bar set already. So maybe one day I will, because it's it's definitely different. And maybe one day, you know, as the cycle of reboots and remakes and all this other stuff kind of goes on, maybe one day we'll get a half-decent uh, Hannibal or Silence or whatever it is, remake, redo, reboot, uh, you know, on the big screen again. I... I don't know. That'd be tough. That'd be like when Heath Ledger stepped into the Joker. Remember? And everybody's like, there's no way Ledger can touch Jack Nicholson's Joker. And then Ledger came around and kind of knocked it out of the, did better than Jack Nicholson, if I may say so. And so maybe, maybe somebody can come along and like redo Hannibal Lecter to a level of Anthony Hopkins or greater, but that's a high bar. It really is for both Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter. It's going to be a super high bar to clear, but maybe you don't try and conquer it by doing the same thing with different people. Maybe you do some sort of different spin on it, Uh, maybe like an origin story or a sequel or just something. You know, we're just spitballing ideas here. Obviously, these aren't the best ones, but I'm sure someone with some creativity can come up with a better idea about how to soft remake uh, Silence of the Lambs and do it maybe not better, but a little bit different. I mean, you know, you bought up Heath Ledger. Look at Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Certainly two different takes and, you know, you're going to compare the two, but it's still kind of apples to oranges. So maybe someday we'll get another kind of adaptation of this kind of source material. Maybe. And when they do, I just hope they come knocking on my door so I can play Migs. Yeah, so, you know, who do you think is the movie, the best movie detective of all time? Feel free to let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or just muse amongst yourselves if you're just listening to this by yourself or with other people. So with that out of the way, let's get to our main segment, which is, again, another different thing that we're doing here for the first time on the show, which is Split Decision featuring the 2017 movie Wonder Woman. (laughs) 
So here in our main segment today, we're calling it split decision. And that's when me and Brad, we know that we have different opinions about things. And it's almost kind of like a fun debate. We just go back and forth about how something is good or bad or who's talented or not. And it just we just have a fun little movie related debate. And we like doing this offline, too. So this is something we definitely wanted to bring to the show and maybe get some people talking at home. So today's split decision topic is the 2017 movie Wonder Woman because Death on the Nile, starring Gal Gadot, coming later in the episode, we're going to discuss. She was obviously the star of that. Arguably a role that kind of put her onto the mainstream scene playing a character. So Wonder Woman, I think, you know, just to give you our each uh, stances here, I think Wonder Woman is a great inspirational superhero movie for young girls possibly the best female superhero movie ever if not the best and brad you know you're a little more lukewarm on it right yeah i find it to be one of the most overrated movies ever so this is why we have these conversations different opinions you know we like to understand where each other is coming from so Brad, if you want to start off, you know, why do you think it's maybe a little overrated or maybe did the hype get to you before the movie came out and that kind of impacted your viewing of it? Where did this movie kind of go wrong for you? So I don't know if the hype got to me because like when it comes to any comic book movie at all, there's hype. So you can't I don't think comic book movies get affected hype wise for me, at least. But it was when the movie finished immediately before, you know, in today's world, you get on the Internet to look at movies, your opinion gets swayed by what other people have written. But when the movie finished for me before anything, the first thing I said to the people I was with was I was good, but it was just DC's version of Captain America. Then when I got home, read all the all the comments and everything with when the people who weren't like going all fanboy about this movie that was the main thing they were saying. And I, and it felt like not vindicated, but I felt like right on, I'm not the only one who kind of sees that this movie was, was Captain America for the DC world. And that's fair. I can certainly see the comparisons, you know, a fish out of water, strong superhero type in the middle of a world war that becomes a little more of a battle hardened soldier by the end. Of course, I can see the comparisons, you know, but and I can't say that, at least to my knowledge, that the 2017 Wonder Woman movie borrowed that storyline from a particular comic in her past. You know, there probably is something like that that exists out there. Maybe she was sent back in time and fought in World War One or two or maybe when her character first arrived on the scene. Unfortunately, I'm not a Wonder Woman historian, so maybe this is kind of borrowing from one of her stories and they weren't just kind of copying off of Captain America. But that's certainly a fair criticism. But I would argue that this movie has a lot more going for it than just the setting or the central conflict that makes it stand out from Captain America, the first Avenger. I guess, I mean, I guess it also has to do with like, it got so much praise and I can get on board when a movie gets so much praise that I, that I feel deserves it. Obviously that's a, I don't know. I don't know if that's a narcissistic take, but it's, it's movie fans. That's how we all are. And so it just was just like, Oh, okay. Like this movie was not as good as everybody's saying it is. And it just felt like people were just predetermined to say female superhero movie. I have to love it. I have to love it so that people know that I love 
that I'm all for female superhero movies. Not a bad movie, just way overpraised in my opinion. That's fair. I will say, though, that I do disagree because I think this is a really inspirational movie for young girls on superheroes and just standing up for their beliefs and ideals and, you know, really just in this man's world, you know, kind of taking control and being able to stand up proudly. So I will say that I do disagree with that. I think that it does balance all that really well with being an inspirational message while also being a decent kind of action superhero flick and historical drama too, sort of. So I will say I kind of disagree with that. I don't think they really beat you over the head with it in this movie saying females are great, women are better than men, all that kind of stuff. And I think they did that really well because they kind of switched around the whole damsel in distress thing where you had, you know, Steve Trevor played by Chris Pine kind of as that role that you see in a lot of movies where the woman who's along for the ride needs to be saved and isn't really of much use to the super strong main hero. So I do think that they did that balance really well between, you know, just beating you over the head with the message and actually showing and being entertaining with it. So I will say that I do have a different stance on that. I guess to clarify, I I do fully agree that it's with a, a female superhero movie, which obviously Marvel had not done to this point. And I can't think, I mean, there was Wonder Woman, the show back in the 70s with Linda Carter. Um, there have been female fronted stuff, but I understand see a young girl seeing wonder woman on the big screen i understand kind of the importance of that and i didn't get that for a long time until i kind of realized like my idol in in life number one above all i have a couple but number one above all is chris farley why is he my idol because as i grow as a kid growing up he was the first person i ever saw using the fact that he was a you know a fat guy for comedy and as a, you know, it wasn't, he didn't internalize being fat and use it as like, oh, I'm fat. Nobody likes it. He used it for comedy. First person I ever saw doing that. So I idolized that because that kind of informed how I grew up, how I live my life. I use the fact that I am fat. I'm not sure if you can tell in these videos. Um, the lighting is great in here. But um, the, uh, you know, I use the fat, I use my, my fat for comedy. I, I, I'm going to make people laugh with it. Chris Farley was the first one I saw doing that. So there is an importance I fully get where seeing a Gal Gadot, a Gal Gadot, however you pronounce her name, apologies, but seeing her on the big screen and going, holy crap, that's awesome. You know, young girls in the street playing, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, and the same goes for like Black Panther. There wasn't a big time black lead um, movie with until kind of Chadwick Boseman came along with Black Panther and these little, uh, you know, black kids see a, a superhero on screen and it's like, holy crap, that's a new, it's a whole new world I haven't seen before. And so I fully understand the importance of that. And in that, I understand the importance of Wonder Woman, because that is kind of where you can pinpoint the first big female fronted superhero movie. Yeah, you're right. This was a very important movie in the superhero landscape. Um, and I think kind of a milestone for women because before this, you didn't really have a lot of, if not female-led superhero movies, a lot of good ones. Some bad ones that kind of stood out before this were Elektra, Catwoman, amongst others. I mean, 
these weren't exactly shiny examples of role models for young women who wanted to be superheroes, who wanted to see themselves on the big screen reflected in those characters. And then, yes, you're right. This did beat Captain Marvel to the punch from Marvel, but I didn't really like that movie because I just think the writing wasn't good in Captain Marvel. I think when I talked earlier about how it was Wonder Woman didn't beat you over the head with a female empowerment message, that it balanced it really well and it gave girls a great role model to look up to and was still entertaining for adults too. I felt like Captain Marvel kind of beat you over the head a little bit with the women are awesome thing. And that movie didn't really give you a reason why that Captain Marvel was awesome because she was a woman. You know, she was powerful, but what separated her from powerful male superhero? And I think Wonder Woman did that really well because you see her compassion and her empathy and her decision making and her battle prowess. And I think that did a much better job of showing off why a female superhero is strong because she's a woman. Yeah. And I like that you just said exactly what you just said, because it 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 is a perfect argument against my point of you didn't like Captain Marvel simply because it was a female fronted movie. So it shows that the argument for Wonder Woman is because you love you thought Wonder Woman did it right. And you don't blindly love a movie just because it has a female lead. And there's female empowerment. You love Wonder Woman because you felt it did it right. And again, I say. Good movie. Own it. Own the 3D on it. Own 1984, the 3D 1984. You know, good 3D. The director is somebody I absolutely love. I watch interviews with her all the time because I think she's she gives one of the best interviews. Patty Jenkins, who also did Monster. And she's just a great director and, and a great person to listen to. If you ever just want to sit back and listen to just good film conversation stuff, listen to some Patty Jenkins interviews. 100% agree. And I just want to clear it up about Captain Marvel. Like I said, I didn't really like that movie because I didn't like the writing behind it. I'm not part of this camp that thinks Brie Larson is a bad actress. Go see movies like Room or The Spectacular Now or 21 Jump Street and all these other ones where she is a good actress. I firmly stand behind that. I just don't think Captain Marvel was a great movie overall. In terms of the female empowerment stuff, you could argue that it did it fairly well, kind of separate, like, is this a good movie versus is this a good female empowerment movie? You could make a case for that, but it just, again, I just think Wonder Woman did it so much better with the balance of everything and showing you, not telling you, showing you examples of why she was show, she was so strong because she was a female superhero and just leading by example a lot better than Captain Marvel did in her movie, which came shortly after one. Oh, yeah. And to add to that Brie Larson thing, man, watch Scott Pilgrim. She's like the bad guy in Scott Pilgrim. But if you don't love her after watching Scott Pilgrim, then you are dumb because she's so good in that movie. Uh, and Envy Adams is such a lovable yet you hate her character. You know, Scott Pilgrim, that's another great example of Brie Larson's acting that she's great in that too. So I firmly disagree with people that say the movie was bad because she was a bad actress. I just don't think it was written well. So um, so there you have it. We're, we're split on this, but that's why we have these conversations to learn each other's viewpoints, to put different points of view out there, to really just, you know, have our different opinions out there just to have a, a good, honest, down-to-earth, level-headed conversation about 
why I think it's a great movie and why you might think it's not as great. So, you know, I hope uh, we do this again soon. We have this segment with another movie where we have this level of conversation about it and why maybe one of us doesn't like something about it or one of us does. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I am too. I already know a couple of movies off the top of my head that we will we will be discussing in this, this in this category soon. Oh, I'm I'm sure when it comes to a certain time of year or a certain movie comes out that relates to something else that we disagree on, you will absolutely see this segment again soon. So without further ado, let's get into what maybe some people have been waiting for as a new movie review, which is Death on the Nile, starring Gal Gadot. All right, so to cap off this episode, we're doing an in-depth, spoiler-filled review of new release movie, Death on the Nile. And uh, Brad, what, what did you think of this one? What were some initial reactions? Did you have kind of a knee-jerk reaction walking out of the theater after seeing this? You know, What did you think of this in terms of, uh, was it a decent murder mystery set in Egypt? Oh, I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers. Um... It's just a joke. I, your face dropped. Um, my first reaction when it finished was how much better I thought the first one was. I still enjoyed this one. I enjoy a good murder mystery. But I found the first one, Murder on the Orient Express, to be vastly superior. And that's fair. I actually am the other way around where I haven't seen the Murder on the Orient Express from a few years back to kind of play on your joke a little bit about you not having seen Death on the Nile. So I will say I haven't seen that one, but my just initial kind of just vague reaction to this was I liked it. I thought it was a decent murder mystery. Did I think it was revolutionary or that it was the worst movie ever or the best movie ever? No, not really, but I thought it was a decent murder mystery with... And this isn't really a huge spoiler, but come on, you got to expect there to be some twists and turns. So when I say that with some decent twists and turns, hopefully that's not too much of a spoiler that you have a few of those in a murder mystery. But I thought it was a decent watch and, you know, we'll get to it kind of at the end of the segment. But I will say in general, I would look forward to more of these kind of like an anthology starring the detective and some other Agatha Christie novels or just some other mysteries set in this time period. Yeah, I think so. I I am a bit confused. You haven't seen Murder on the Orient Express, or you have? I have not. Okay, when you said you're playing off my joke, I was like, wait, is that okay? So you have it. All right, so I won't I won't say anything about Murder on the Orient Express then, other than to say, go watch Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, if you enjoyed this one, Murder on the Orient Express is is a better movie and to launch into one of my reasons why it's a better movie. One thing I wasn't a huge fan of in death on the Nile was it's called death on the Nile. And there's not a death until about an hour into the movie. So it's a lot of like build up. There's a lot of world building. There's a lot of character development, a lot of backstory, a lot of, Oh, we got to know who they are. And then it's about an hour into the movie of this, I think roughly two hour movie that there's finally a death. So it almost seems like maybe they didn't have enough of the solving or of the twists and turns of this movie to fill out the two-hour murder mystery. So there was just a whole hour of that movie that could have been edited down, much like what I just said could have been edited down and uh, made 
more compact. I think you're right. I think, you know, there was certainly a lot of setup in this movie where, like you said, we didn't really get to a murder until a good chunk of the movie ends. So I think what they were trying to do was just kind of like introduce all the characters and really have you get to know them before any murdering even happened. But I think you're right. I think it would have been a little bit of a better movie if they just cut kind of a lot of the beginning part out and just got straight into it. And then you would kind of learn about these characters as they're being interviewed or questioned or how they react to the events and kind of form your own guesses then. I think that maybe would have made it a little bit of a stronger movie. And I'm not saying that as somebody who was thinking this watching it, just someone who reacting, who reacting, someone who's reacting to what was presented to me. You know, I try not to write the movie in my head as I'm watching it, but I think you're right. I think that would have been better for the story if they would have done that. But again, I didn't really kind of hate where they went with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like the ending kind of reminded me almost of like a Scream movie. Because like if, a, if you think about a Scream movie, they really are murder mysteries. You're watching the movie, you're putting together the clues until the final reveal of who's the killer. And so in this one, you know, you get to the end and, and you find out who the killer is. And this will be the spoiler part if, if I w- we've already given you that warning. So if you're still listening, click off if you're here for the spoilers. You know the 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 ending came and it you know it was it was it was um it was Army Hammer and uh, his his lover in the movie or whatever whoever she was his original fiance I think is what she was and you know it got to it and I guess it kind of like was with when we reviewed Scream a couple weeks back where it was just like okay all right the killer had to be somebody okay all right um all right it, not bad I, I I guess that works. You seem very hard to please. It seems to be a theme for these movies that we're discussing here. You seem really hard to please with the killer reveals. So let me ask you then, who would have been a good candidate for the killer reveal? Who would have shocked you or you would have really loved a lot more in terms of the story or just who would have who would you have liked to seen as the killer at the end of Death on the Nile? That is a good question. I don't know. But to the point of the first one being better. I, I mean, it's true though. It's true because I, I, it is true. A killer has to be a killer, but I guess the point is the first one, when you find out who the killer is in that movie, it took me by surprise. It was so well done that when it, when it, when that reveal comes, I was like, yes, hell yeah, that is awesome. I have not seen that before, which watch it. It's so it's good. And to even go a little bit further, something like Knives Out, where they that killer reveal was very well done as well. So, and the, again, that's kind of one where it's like it has to be somebody, but they could throw in a little something to twist it, like in Knives Out. You know, it's like she, you know, she did it, he did it, but really the person who did it was Chris Evans uh, spoiler alert sorry but like the overarching person was Chris Evans so it wasn't just a cut and dry murder 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 it was like really well written really like oh ooh, ooh, you know and that's how murder on the Orient Express was when I got to the ending and so when I got to the ending of this I was hoping for something similar that's similar like oh wow that's that's awesome this one was kind of just like oh okay so it was the husband 
I mean, that's fair. It's just like, you know, again, seem really hard to impress with these things. So the killer has to be someone, as you said. So um, that is a good kind of segue, though, going out of order in this movie review. We're just going to, you know, kind of skip to what we were going to talk about at the end. And you compared this to Knives Out, which I certainly got that vibe watching because it kind of does the same thing. This is a second movie in a modern series where it's almost like an anthology series. And that's what they're doing right now with the Knives Out sequel is that they took the same central detective played by the same actor and then they put him into a new case with new characters in a new setting, new story. And I like that format. I think Death on the Nile, you know, if another one of these were to come out based on either an Agatha Christie novel or something else featuring this same central detective played by Kenneth Branagh, if I'm saying that name right, but I would definitely watch another one of these. I thought it was solid, and I like that format that these two murder mystery franchises are kind of going with right now because I am looking forward to the Knives Out sequel where they do that as well, where Daniel Craig is going to return as a central detective, and then he's going to take on a new murder mystery case with a new cast and a new setting. So I like the idea of that, and I would certainly be on board for more sequels in both of those franchises. Oh yeah, I'm definitely. I can't wait for the Knives Out sequels, and and um and uh, I would definitely. I mean, they make another uh, uh movie, <laughs> but they make another one of his movies. I, I'll definitely go see it because they are good. I like I like murder mysteries, man. I'm a, one of my youngest memories is watching Clue. I don't know if you ever seen Clue from back in the day, back in the '80s, man. That was like one of the, one of my favorite murder mystery movies when I was a kid. And I don't. A clue did it great though because they recorded three different endings and depending on what theater you went to you got a different ending so if you wanted to see all three endings to the movie you had to go see the movie three times and just hope that the theater you went to got those three different endings so everybody got a different killer it was it was it was awesome and i think they're remaking clue i think now as well but that's we'll see how that turns out but you know, a good murder mystery I like because you really have to pay attention. And then I love getting to an end of a movie and going, oh, wow. And then saying, I'm going to go watch that again because now I know the ending and now I want to go back and see exactly how the director and the writer just put in these little things for you to be like, oh, oh, that's awesome. So I, I love murder mystery, the genre. Yeah, I guess maybe that's why I'm a little easier on murder mystery movies than other ones is because you have to craft them so well. You know, they have to stand up to first viewings, second viewings where you know who's the killer and you can notice clues, but you don't notice the first time. And it has to be able to shock people who the killer is. And, you know, everyone has to be a decent enough suspect and you have to juggle a big cast usually. And it just... I guess that's why I'm kind of going a little bit easier on it because it just seems like there's so much meticulous detail in making one of these that I guess maybe I'm just, you know, forgiving it for a couple of things and just kind of enjoying the ride. Something that I don't really do a lot with movies. I always kind of, you know, hold them to a higher standard. So it was nice to just kind of like tell my mind to relax and just enjoy what I'm getting. Without a doubt. And I I will say the thing, this movie had some great, photography man the shots at the pyramid and everything like 
I believe those are real shots at the pyramids. I, I'm going to have to double check that. I might be making that fact up. Maybe it was CG, but I hope it wasn't CG because those helicopter cam shots or drone shot cams they did, like these vast um, landscape shots they did, were absolutely gorgeous. I, I love those long sweeping shots they did. Yeah, and that's something I wanted to talk about, too, was the setting for this movie. You know, again, this is kind of like an anthology series where you have different entries taking place. The first one was on a train and this one's in Egypt. So I really love the setting for this movie. Like you said, there were tons of awesome shots and it's just it's like callbacks to ancient Egypt. And it's just, you know, for me, I really love the mythology behind like that setting. And I think it's just, you know, it's one of the the wonders of the world. So it's just awesome to kind of see that backdrop in this movie and you know it does kind of again help you kind of look at this movie with rose-colored glasses where you maybe forgive a few small things because it just looks so awesome because the backdrop with Egypt and just the way it's shot it just it's a very visually engaging movie for sure with that I mean that's kind of Bronick dude he's been a phenomenal i mean he is his bread and butter back in the day was like shakespeare he did a lot he did hamlet uh not Hamlet. yeah actually he did hamlet he did henry v um and that's like where people like he did a lot of those he did frankenstein back in the day too and he may end up and for you marvel fans out there if you don't know who this guy is he directed the first thor movie back in 2011 which is my favorite Thor movie, and that's maybe a little bit of a hot take because there seems to be a lot of Ragnarok fans out there, but I really liked the first Thor movie. I thought that was the best one for the character in terms of the little trilogy that he's had so far. So anyway, continue for people who might not know who Kenneth Branagh, Branagh, however you say his name is. Bron oh yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's a good good cause. Like, yeah, he's he's not just pulled out like these like kind of indie Shakespeare movies, which he was nominated for Oscars for. He's 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 taken and I think that's why he got Thor, because Thor is like Shakespearean comic book, really, if you if you kinda boil it down to you know, Roman gods or, you know, Asgardian guards gods. So yeah, and and it's yeah i wonder why he didn't come back for any of the sequels that's uh that's something to look into i'm sure there's a reason but you know he's up for oscars right now for belfast so the guy is an incredibly talented uh filmmaker and i think his perot and i love the way he plays perot i perot peru however you pronounce it but <laughs> I think yeah, just kind, just kind phenomenal. of scra just kind of scramble your voice in a French way, and just you know, it sounds like you're saying his name. Yeah, just like clear your throat. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but no, I think he does. He does a great job. And I think something that was added for this movie that wasn't in the original books, I believe, is like the whole backstory of his scar and and the origin of his mustache, which was kind of funny, a, a, a origin story for a mustache. But it, it was. I appreciated that. I, I liked the way they did that with the war scene in the beginning and everything. I thought that was pretty well done. I, I thought. Um, you know, I'll agree with you where I thought he was definitely the best character out of the movie, you know, really got a kick out of his performance and really liked his detective. But I'm going to disagree with you where we didn't really need to see that whole mustache backstory because that's pretty much what it was. It was a backstory for her, his ridiculous looking mustache. And, you know, it's funny because the movie starts rolling and you open on this war scene 
And my girlfriend who went to see the movie with me in the theater, she kind of leans over and says, are we watching the right movie? What, what's going on here? And then you eventually find out, you know, what the reasoning is. And then, of course, at the end, you see him, you know, he shaved off the mustache and he's proudly showing off his scar, which, you know, he grew the mustache over to hide beforehand. So it's a nice little character arc. But I would argue that we don't need, really need to see things like that. We don't need to see an explanation for every little thing about the character. Just leave a little mystery. You know, I feel like these days a lot of movies really have to sort of explain things that are unnecessary to explain, where, again, just leave things a little more vague, a little more open-ended, a little more mysterious with character elements or things in movies where we don't really need to see exactly how something happened from start to finish 100% of the time. And I know there are some people who are firmly against that who you know, for example, as soon as The Mandalorian was airing, oh, we need to see his face, I need to see his face, or I need to an explanation for every little thing. And that's great, but I would wholeheartedly dis disagree with those people, that we don't need an explanation for every little thing in a movie. Right, yeah, never watched The Mandalorian. Um, I guess that does go to the point of, you're actually right, uh, you swayed me. Oh, crap. We better get that on. You better record that. It doesn't happen often. But, like, you're kind of right because it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning where they could have shaved off some time in the beginning of this movie to get to the murder quicker. And if they get rid of the backstory of the mustache, we get to the murder quickly. So, all right, good job, buddy. I, I, I see what you did there. The uh, shaved off, you know, they could have shaved off that that part of the movie. That was, I, I think you did that unintentionally, but I will give you props for that. That was a good one. We'll never know. Um, <laughs> but to, to you now, just to give the quick take, you don't have to go into it. But you said you saw it with your girlfriend. So a female perspective. Did she dig the movie? Yeah, I think she liked it, too. You know, she likes a good murder mystery, you know, um, without getting too not not the the gory thriller psychological kind of murder mystery but something like this something a little more lighthearted a little more lighthearted of a murder mystery but yeah i think she liked it too and like i said uh you know we kind of did this out of order where we usually end the review saying hey are you looking forward to more if they do sequels spin-offs re reboots remakes whatever and i think she and I were both looking forward to more of these. And hopefully, again, you get the same uh, detective coming back. Hercule Perrault, or however you say his name, just <laughs> just cargle your, your voice a little bit. So I will say I would look forward to more of these if they came out. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I will say, dude, watch Murder on the Orient Express. Especially watch it with your girlfriend. If she dug this one. Go back and watch that one, and maybe we'll have a, a a quick recap on a future episode to see if you if you agree with the fact that Murder on the Orient Express is the better of the two movies. That's fair. And look, like I say, you know, half the fun of doing these episodes is that we're able to recommend movies or shows to each other that we haven't really checked out yet, where we mostly trust each other's opinion maybe not a hundred percent but mostly trust each other's opinion on recommendations so you know i'll just add it to the giant list of one-off movies that may not be on a streaming service to track down someday and give it a watch so i will definitely add it yeah if i have a digital copy code you can have it i'm not sure i might depends if i look at my blu-ray or not <laughs> but uh yeah man good good movie worth checking out 
I would say, you know, there's not a whole ton of the new releases in theaters right now. So if you're on a Tuesday, like, hey, let's go to the movies. I think Death on the Nile is a solid flick to go check out. So thank you to everybody again for watching, listening this new episode of Mitch and Brad's movie show, dissecting Death on the Nile and movie related topics pertaining to it. So, um, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, do all the YouTube things, comment, subscribe, like, you know, open up a discussion here. Did you agree with what we said? Did you not agree? Did you like Death on the Nile? Did you not? Just let us know. You know, it really it helps us engage with our audience and let them know what they want to see, too. So and if you're listening to the audio version as well, thank you for tuning in. And Brad, what do we got coming up next week? You know, for once, we're actually maybe sticking with kind of like the same ish genre of movie with adventure with next week's episode. Yeah, I guess it could fall in the same kind of vein. Next week, we got the uh, Tom Holland starring Uncharted movie um that we both we both saw recently so that'll be a be a good discussion good discussion for us to have and as always with these new episodes and new movies that come out we got some opinions to share and we hope that you're going to tune in and listen to them so thank you everybody again for tuning in for this episode of mitch and brad's movie show and hopefully we'll see you next week with another new episode (laughs) 